father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm thanking you so much for being part of our Championship Vision podcast family. Today is episode 198 with Coach Bob Mackey. He's a legendary coach of Christ the King High School in Middle Village, New York. Bob Mackey grew up in Rockaway Beach playing basketball at St. Francis de Sales. He played high school basketball at Xavier High School in Manhattan. After playing a year at Wincentia State University, he caught the coaching disease at Winona Senior High School. Upon graduation, Bob accepted a position at Tolentine High School. He was a JV coach and assistant varsity coach under John Serendrea, directing the school's new computer lab while also coaching volleyball, baseball, and softball. In 1998, Tolentine captured the mythical USA Today National Championship behind the play of the late St. John star Malik Seeley. Bob Mackey became the youngest head coach in the CHSAA the following season at age 24. He finished with a 47-18 and 18 record in his first three seasons. But 1991, after the tragic closing of Tolentine High School, Bob accepted a position at Christ the King High School. For the next nine years, he was Vincent Canizaro's assistant. State championships followed in each of the following years. National championships in 1993 and 1998 with players like Shamiqua Holskla, Christina Alexander, and Sue Bird joining the ranks of the NCAA. The new millennium saw Bob Mackey move into the head coach's seat at Christ the King, following a 25-5 season with a record 11th consecutive state championship. The 2002-2003 season looked very promising with seven seniors signing Division I scholarship letters. Among them, Shea Duran from Maryland, would go on to play in the first women's McDonald's All-American game. After winning the Nike Tournament of Champions, Bob Mackey's team finished the season 25-2 with their 19th consecutive New York State Catholic Championship. He topped 100 wins in four years as head coach, but more importantly, saw a great group of players move on to the next level. The 2004-05 seasons returned Christ the King to the finals of the Tournament of Champions led by Duke signee, Corinne Gay, and underclassman Tina Charles. 
Christ the King defeated Piedmont 44-42 in the finals. Christ the King, the Lady Royals finished the year a perfect 27-0 and New York State Federation champions. USA Today selected them as the number one team in the country and Bob Mackey as the high school coach of the year. The Women's Basketball Coaches Association also chose Coach Mackey, National Coach of the Year, and selected him to coach the All-American game at the Women's Final Four in Cleveland. In 2005 and 6, Christ the King ran the table again, winning back-to-back -back New York State Championships and another mythical national championship. For a consecutive season, Bob was named National High School Coach of the Year. 2010 saw another state championship with Ariel Edwards from Penn State, Bria Smith from Louisville, and Nia Odin from Illinois matching the boys' state championship later that afternoon. In 2014, Bob Mackey was inducted into the Catholic High School Hall of Fame and his 1993 team inducted into the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame. Bob has served on the WBCA All-American Selection Committee and is on the New York State Coaches Association Board. He has amassed a 465-97 and 97 record at Christ the King. Bob Mackey still spends his summers as director at the Hoop Group. He teaches chemistry and serves as the athletic director at Christ the King. Bob Mackey had the privilege of coaching his daughter, Carrie, now a Manhattanville college graduate, for four years in basketball and volleyball. He and his wife, Kelly, reside in Smithtown, New York. What a great honor, coaches to really introduce a great legend in coaching um, <clears throat> in Bob Mackey. And then when you when you listen to him, you'll find out he has tremendous humility, down to earth, but really a great mentor for a lot of coaches. So you're going to get a treat on listening to Coach Bob Mackey. Bob, welcome to the podcast. I do. I do. You sound great. All right. That's not too bad. That's good. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, yes. Hey, Coach, uh, just tell me if the audio is not good. Um, but, uh, hey, we're here with uh, Coach Bob Mackey, uh, the head girls basketball coach at Christ the King uh, Catholic School in New York. I'm so excited. Um, one of the top coaches in the country in my in my. Uh, my opinion. So, Coach, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you joining us. Kev, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And, yeah, I don't know about top coaches. I, right now, I'm the chief cook, bottle washer, 
floor cleaner and this week on the tree trimmer. So, hey, it's all good. I love that. I mean, I, one thing I get from you, Coach, just by talking with you and um, kind of seeing your emails and texts is, man, you're so humble. I mean, you never take it – is, it seems like you do a lot of work for the school. You're not – you do a lot of things behind the scenes. I love your, your, your humility. Well, I think that the, one of the important things is especially on our side, on the girls' side and coaching in high school right now, um, there's, there's too many people that feel they are in, you know, entitled. Um, I've been doing this 39 years coaching. This is my 30th year at Christ the King. Um, I've had what I believe are some of the best players in the country. I think I've coached a couple of the best players in women's basketball history. But it's it's all about promoting the game and making it better for the next group. Um, you know, and that's what it's about. It's, it's about making it better. Absolutely. And that's what this podcast is all about. This is just my podcast is just a love affair with a game and sharing with coaches. I get a chance to uh, speak with great coaches like yourself, coach. So, and it's, it's also, we can connect with each other. Coaches should connect more, right? You know, it's it, it's hard if you're not in a group that's connected. Um, I've been very blessed both with the Nike group that I'm part of and some of the guys and girls that have been part of that um, and some of the people that I've connected with through different tournaments and stuff um, and my five-star five star basketball and my hoop group family and what Christ the King does. We've got some really good networks. Um, you know, so I've got a chance to work with, you know, Kevin Kiernan at Modern Day, Gary McKnight, the boys coach at Modern Day. I'm friends with both. And I think I've got a unique perspective because I coached on both sides of the fence. Yeah. And I had Kevin, Kevin still, um, I, I had in on him on an interview and he took the time out to uh, share with me. So, I mean, you guys just do a great job. I just think that's so important in coaching for us to share the game. There's no secrets in the game, right, Coach? I mean, the... I haven't found any. I've basically <laughs> anything I've, everything I use, I've, I learned sitting watching Coach Luke on a sector at St. John's or going down to Philly and sitting on the side watching Coach Massimino back in the day, or I've been up to Syracuse and I've <laughs> sat through a couple of Coach Beheim's practices and I had the privilege one time of going down to, Pat Summit and been up to Geno's. So, you know, you just, you pick up something from everybody. Oh, that's for sure. Coach, talk about your mentors of the game. Um, you mentioned some great coaches right there. Who are some of your mentors, even maybe not the big time coaches? I know there's probably some coaches in that area, probably that nobody knows about that are probably really great mentors. Uh, who's been your, who's been the people you have keyed on? Ooh. Coach Konasek is definitely one of mine. He was, um, when my school closed back in 1990, he was there. And, you know, I was offered a position if I wanted to jump in. And I had the opportunity to coach girls at Christ the King. And Coach said, go ahead. This is really, you, you should get involved in that. It's okay. I was a little hesitant because I had really only coached one year of girls prior. And, um, you know, he was very, very, very big for that. There's just so many co high school coaches. I'm part of the New York State Coaches Association. And there's some great coaches who've never won, you know, a section title, 
never won a state title, you know, and they're, they've got great records, but they coach a D class school. And you just look and say, you know what? Every day they go out, they do a great job. They've got great kids. They make a big difference in their community with their, with what they do with their players. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's education. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think you can learn from anybody, right? I think, that growth mindset, don't you feel like even right now, Bob, you probably you probably go out and still study the game from coaches. Hey, you're you're about still trying to get better, even though your program's very uh, very well known. I love watching any kind of a game. I'll, if there was a game in a schoolyard, I'll probably go watch it. Um, <laughs> and that just seems to be a trend now because we're back to that. Um, but I loved it. I loved it early on. I loved it when I was a kid growing up. And I was very, very lucky growing up in an area where basketball was kind of big. One of my first, actually my first grammar school coach was a young man by the name of Brian Winters. Brian mm-hmm. started in South Carolina, played in the NBA, and now he's an administrator in the NBA. And, you know, I got really very lucky with some of my younger coaches, and I had an opportunity to coach very early on. I coached younger kids when I was in, in high school, and then in college, I started coaching at the local high school, oh, my God, my sophomore year. And sitting behind my bench was my college coaches, my college coach and the nearby Hartwick College coach. I had two Division one, Division three college coaches sitting behind my bench every game. And you know what? You learn a lot. There's some great people in our game. And it's, it's a shame because some of them go unrecognized. And that's the sad part. But it's just so much fun when you get the chance to sit down with a Kevin Kiernan or, you know, uh, James Anderson from Narbonne or, you know, any of these guys that are just out there. And, you know, it, it's just a great thing. Ke- Kelly Flynn out of South Sioux City, um, retired now, but Kelly did such a great job and sent so many kids on to college. And you just, when you get the chance to sit down and spend time with these people, it's just amazing. Yeah, what is one thing you can reflect on that you learned from uh, one of those coaches you you mentioned that, man, that was really something that you still use today? Uh, I have a good coach out here, Gene Durden, that uh, he has what they call his breakfast club where his kids come in 6.30 in the morning. And we I stole so many of his drills and ideas. What are some things that you have stolen from really good coaches? Um, let's see. Coach Konasek has given me – probably about five or six full court drills that I use like religiously. I think we, we've got a rotation now where we kind of sub it in as the season moves on, but I watched him run practice and it was just, it was efficient. It was clean. It was precise. There was, you know, a method to it. And, you know, watching, I was out watching Tarkanian's practice one year and, I, I was amazed that he treated these grown men. I mean, it was Larry Johnson, um, Stacy Augman, uh, and company. And they were like a bunch of grammar school kids because he had them running at full speed. And you just watch some people who run practice. I've watched Kevin run practice. Kiernan's great. And we've practiced next to each other on different courts, playing in tournaments. And we've played against about Luke Carnesecca as a practice coach, uh, kind of continue on with that. He just was such so methodical about detail, and you know, never, 
he did get excited. He did raise his voice. He was always, he wasn't always the calm, quiet guy, but he was so methodical about details. And it wasn't the details of the finish. It was the pass, the catch, the position, you know, where are you on the floor spacing? And it was just great to watch. Um, you know, I had the privilege of coaching Malik Seeley, who played at St. John's and, you know, played in the NBA. And I would go out and watch a lot of coaches' practices, you know, when Malik was there. And just the attention to detail, what he would do with, you know, the players. Coach Beheim's the same way, just different approach. You know, Jim just takes a very different approach. But even watching, like, you know, my JV coach, um, you know, run practice, or my assistant Joe run Joe DeLuca run practice. Everybody has a different style, and it's always fun to see somebody else's take on it. It's kind of, you know, I do a lot of lectures, but I love to go out and watch other people lecture. And you know, the best the best lecturer I've ever seen was Coach Ubi Brown, mm-hmm. and because Ubi was just so, it was so detailed. It was down to the letter of what you do, and. I try to run practice the same way. Everything's organized down to the minute, what we want to do, what we detail, what we're working on. You can't just let it go and just be, all right, let's just play. That There's too many people that do that, and I think that ruins the game. We're about teaching it, and that's kind of one of my pet peeves with AAU, that they just roll them out and really don't get into getting skill work down. The key is to get your skill work better. If you can do that, then the game becomes better for everybody. Yeah, and I really want you to go into that as well because my podcast is about kind of learning. I'm really about listening from master teachers like yourself on what are some key things that you do within your program. Talk about you got to be a great skill guy because you have some great players in your program, and Sue Bird is, I mean, she's getting older, but she can still play. You got Shamika Holsclaw, uh, Christina Alexander, uh, Tina Charles. I mean, the list goes on and on. How did you get, number one, how did these kids develop into such great players when you had them? Well, you know what? They had the will. They had the desire. Sue Bird is one of the most competitive young women, and I still call her a young woman, but she is getting up there, and she knows that. But she's, <laughs> she's, she's morphed and developed into – a smarter player as she's gotten older and she's really been able to manage her body and really takes care of herself. Um, you know, Brianna Stewart was in about a year, about two years ago, Brianna was in and was in New York for a couple of days doing something and she needed a place to work out. So we had her in the gym and I've known Bree since she was in the seventh grade and coached against her, um, know her high school coach very well. So there's a relationship there. And then I watched her at UConn for four years, like everybody else, and was amazed. But just sitting with her, and I had um, one of my players, Natalia Marshall, who's going to Notre Dame, and the three of us just kind of sat there as Bree was coming in, and we closed the gym up, and she was going to get ready. And talking about nutrition, talking about her stretching, talking about her conditioning, and those are things that, the players have to take care of and all those great players really took care of themselves very well, but their fundamentals were so sound. Um, We work on passing and catching and everybody has to dribble. I don't care if you're six foot five, you still have to be able to put the ball on the floor. You're not penciled in as a point guard, obviously, but 
you better be able to dribble. You better be able to do the fundamental things. And if you can't guard somebody, it, 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 there's too many kids right now that are focused on, well, I'm a great shooter. Yeah, but you can't guard a salt shaker. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> sure. Why you're not being recruited at Division One or Division Two levels, you're a Division Three guard. You couldn't guard me, and that's the problem. But I think you've got to have a big balance of all the fundamentals that you need. And for, for some kids, it, 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 it's a passion. It really is. You've got to be driven. And I've watched too many kids, and especially, I think you probably could attest to this, I've watched a bunch of kids get pushed by parents and pushed and pushed, and they get burned out. They hate the game by the time they reach college or even when they go to college, there's a, you look at the transfer rate in girls' college basketball, and it's, it's astronomical right now and going to be worse. And part of that is because you've got parents pushing and pushing and pushing. They've got to go higher. They've got to, no, you've got to go someplace and be happy. The blue chip players will go where blue chip players will go. And not every parent is the parent of a blue chip college star. Okay. That doesn't make any your kid any less. It doesn't mean they're a bad kid. It just means they're not a star. Great. But don't burn them out. Don't, you know, I, I tell the story to parents that I run when I run camp. I tell the story. I had a wonderful young lady who was a Division two recruit, really nice young lady. Parents were divorced. Dad was a professor at St. John's. Mom was mom was her, her kind of agent and confidant and coach and she played on three different AAU teams and traveled here, traveled there, did everything, this, that. And she comes in her senior year. It's April of her senior year. Season's over. We had a great year. Um, I think we lost in the state finals. And she comes in and says, Coach, I made a decision. I said, Jamie, that's great. You know, and I know she had about four or five schools. She goes, I'm going to go to St. John's. I'm not going to play college basketball. And I stood there and looked at her. I was so proud of her. I told her that. And I go, how's mom? She goes, she's not talking to me. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard because I think some parents are trying to live vicariously through their kids. You know what? You can't make a Shamiqua Holtzclaw. You can't make a Christina Alexander. But all you can do is guide them. And some parents just haven't realized that, I guess. Or, you know, it, it's hard. I coach my own daughter and she didn't even play her senior year. She stuck with volleyball, and I coached her in that too. was very proud of her. She went to Vision Three and had a great college career and loved it. We just talked about this the other night. And I'm so proud of what she did and why she did it. She made her own path. She didn't follow mine. She wasn't going to be a star basketball player, but she knows the game really well. Yeah, Coach, that's great advice for parents, uh, no doubt. I've actually I've done some podcasts about how to parent your your athlete, and that's great advice right there. So basically, you have to cut the ties as a parent, which is hard to do, right? It's hard to do to say, hey, you know what? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to do it on your own. You've got to trust. You've got to trust the people that are coaching your daughter. I, I, I sat at a senior dinner for my daughter. Um, her senior year, and we were there, and her or their AD, where there was an awards night, end of the senior year, she got athlete of the year, and great thing for her. And her coach comes over, and we're sitting there. My wife and I are sitting there, and coach goes, you know, I was really worried when she, you know when your daughter came in. I was like, 
okay, why? Well, you're a big-time coach. I, I looked you up. You've got a whole lot of championships and all that. I don't think I ever once called her or talked to her about anything in the complaint department. It was – I was at every game. But there was never, ever – it's not my position. It's not my place. And she moved my daughter from a position I played her in to a totally different position. You know what? That, she looks like a genius. And that's the way I've got to look at it. You got to trust the people your kid's playing for. And if you don't, if you're going to spend your life moving them around, I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the real world. Cause the working world, you're going to deal with a lot of different people and you better be able to handle that. Athletics should teach that. But I think we keep trying to pad the bottom and, Oh, well, we don't want them to fail. It's okay. Failure is a good thing. You know, that, that's part of life. Fail, learn how to figure it out. I love going out and getting, I think, one of the, some of the best coaching jobs I've done, some of the best seasons. We started one year 0-6. Christmas, we're 0-6. You know what? We went on and won a state title. Okay. Failure is yeah. not a bad thing. It's a good yeah. thing. That's interesting, Coach. I I, uh, I was listening to a um, – uh, I was watching a game last night. Uh, actually, his, his name's Colin Cowherd, one of my favorite guys. Uh, he was talking about dyslexia, how, how there's a lot of successful people are dyslexic. And what, what he said was they have to go through a lot of hard times on their own, and they grind it out and grind it out and then end up being very successful – and he said that's it. And I know it sounds like a strange story, but I think by hardships will kind of create that success down the road. Don't you feel? Or we're just, or just trying to make it easy for our kids. I think we're all trying to make it easy. We don't want them to struggle. We don't want them to suffer. Um, and that's, you know, in everything. But right now, I think it's given, given the parameters we're all dealing with right now, they, they're resilient. They will battle back. I mean, it's, it's, what, it's part of their learning curve. Maybe they're going to struggle in a class or two. Okay. That doesn't mean that you got to beat them up for it. It just means you got to support them. My biggest problem with a lot of parents is they need to be parents and not be coaches. Be the parent. Be the parent for the, for the math teacher, for the English teacher, for the science teacher. And be the parent for their for their coach, regardless of the sport. But you know, my daughter and I had a pretty good relationship through four years of high school, and we still have a good relationship now that she's out of college. But we couldn't discuss. You got to understand, it's a fifty mile ride home. We were not allowed to discuss. Yeah. We were not allowed to discuss a volleyball match or a basketball game unless she wanted to talk about it. And I wasn't. You know, if she didn't have a good day or didn't play well, okay, let it go. Well, did I want to talk about it? You bet. Why didn't you go left when you should have went right? I don't know, and I can't, you know, but you can't because that's how you lose your kid and you beat them up. And it's the same thing for coaches. You know, kid makes a mistake. All right, point it out, clean it up, and let's move on. But you can't harp on it. And I've learned that from watching people just, beat kids up for no reason and you just sooner or later you've got to realize it's, it's move on it's about teaching and if you didn't do it in practice you can't expect it to be run in a game john, I, john calipari taught me that way 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 back 
we've John John was one of my roommates in camp, and I'll tell you what, Cal's Cal's given a lot of grief for a lot of things, and he's just you know all this talent. John's a great coach because he's got everything prepared. It's always laid out. It's always done, and it's done in practice. His practice sessions are amazing. Yeah, I think about. yeah, for oh for sure, coach. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, a lot of people think Calipari has he does have tremendous talent. He's in a great situation, but that guy is uh, right. in, he's an innovator and he's a great teacher of the game. He really is, and one of the best in our business. And you know, everybody overlooks because he's oh, he's always got great talent. He's a great recruiter. He does a great job in practice, and. You know, you can knock them all you want, but when you're on top, everybody's going to take a shot at you. And, you know, I, Kevin and I, Kevin Kiernan and I have had this conversation, and James Anderson and Mike uh, Bozeman over at Riverside, ba- Riverdale Baptist. Mike used to be at McNamara. Um, you know, the four of us are kind of a group that we always, we always try to contact each other and talk. And I'll tell you what, I've learned a lot from just being with these guys because hey, you know what? We're all dealing with the same problems. Right now, we're all trying to get through, you know, what is a very different game set and different different, different opponent. Um, you know, I've had a working group every Tuesday night with coaches from Hoop Group that I run. It's a summer boys camp. And listening to the coaches and what's going on in different parts of the country has been just so valuable because people are dealing with a lot of different issues, you know, and you've got to handle a lot of things right now. Coach, talk about that. Can we get a little insight into what you're talking about with the hoop group uh, and, and kind of explain to us coaches, because there's a lot of coaches that listen to the podcast. Talk about the hoop group and what you guys are doing. Well, the hoop group is basically founded by Rob Kennedy. Um, it's a summer boys camp. It runs camps all over the country. It runs, you know, exposure camps. They run events. I've got a lot of I'm, – I'm one of the senior guys, so I'm the old guy in the crowd. Um, this is my 30, this would have been my 37th year. This is my first year in 30, 39 years, not doing summer camp. Right. It's really weird. Um, but what we do is we get a lot of the coaches on, we've got a round table kind of discussion online and, um, you know, bring your best offense, bring your best end of game play. And it always evolves into something else. It always evolves into how are we handling COVID, how are you handling kids emotionally? And it doesn't matter if it's boys or girls. One coach is an assistant at Stony Brook. Another one's an assistant at Air Force on the guy's side. Um, you know, but his father, his father was a great girls high school coach. So you've got a great core of people. And you know what? Everybody's dealing with the problem. And I, I love listening because I think you get a lot from people, especially when they're dealing with adversity. Uh, Air Force brought their players in in June 5th. Now they're stuck on campus. They've got to keep them there. And now you're dealing with, you know, they had one young man whose grandfather died. The kid had to watch the Zoom, you know, the Zoom meeting with his grandfather passing of COVID and then get right back into, you know, workouts and get out on the gym, get out on the court. And you know what? Air Force has got those kind of people that are mentally strong and thank God because that young man's going to deal with a lot of things in his future as he moves up in the Air Force. But, you know, just listening to them and how they're, what their protocols are, um, I think that's helped me working with our league, you know, 
just what our protocols are going to have to be for the school, for all of our athletic teams. And it's a good insight to what other people are doing. Some people are full speed ahead. Let's go. We're kind of like the great state of Georgia. You know, there is no virus. Let's go. Let's play. <laughs> I, I give you guys a lot of credit. And I, you know, I know Florida right now is going through a lot of things. I heard from one of my coaches down there and uh, he keeps me posted as to what's going on there. You know, it just sounds like everybody right now is really struggling to figure out if and how we're going to do athletics with, with the COVID problem and how we're going to deal with this because this is a problem much bigger than athletics. And I think we got to be really, really smart about this. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and I understand, I'll be honest with you. I've, when it, when it first came out, you know, I was watching your New York news conferences with your governor every day and so forth. You guys went through a lot in New York. You were the center. You were the centerpiece. Everybody was looking at you, how you guys are handling. I thought overall New York did a really good job handling the COVID. What do you think? Oh, I think so. I think the governor did a great job in handling it. And I'm waiting to see. He's got a conference today for us to see what we're going to do right now, sports for us, supposed to start September 21st. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition or kind of like California, we're going to be pushed to the spring. California's mm. doing two, two spring seasons. Wow. Um, they're pushing everything into two seasons after January. Um, so, you know, I think we did a great job, but I, you know, uh, we lost an athletic director in my conference. I lost, I lost three former players. We lost a bunch of referees. We lost a soccer coach at one member's school. We lost a baseball coach at another member's school. Um, you know, and meanwhile, other parts of the country, people are like, is it real? And I can tell you firsthand it's real. Yeah, it and is real. Yeah. The risk that our kids are being put on, you know, I, I am worried about the summer. I'm worried about the kids who are out there on the trail right now playing in different events because, I am really concerned with how the protocols are being followed and if they are. Coach, that's a great point because I have a player that um, uh, she's on a Nike elite team here in Atlanta, really, really top level team. And uh, she decided not to play. And I thought it was the smartest move her parents ever made. Uh, now she's already signed with another school, but she could have played. And I I'm going, why are we not being allowed? I, I agree that a Georgia High School Association said no play. I agree with that. So why are these travel teams being allowed to play? That's two different standards, Coach. It is, and it's putting us as high school coaches in a very, very difficult spot. Um, I know one of the concerns with the California group was that if they're going to be in competition with the club teams and the AAU teams, you know, how are they going to deal with that? And that's one of the issues they've, they've tried to address on the state level. Um, we're all in this. Um, congrats to that young lady and her family because that's a smart move. And I had one of my girls commit the other day, and I was just so happy for her. She's a rising junior. She committed. She's done. She's set. She didn't want to go through the process. She was really concerned about the season coming up and said, hey, I, this is what I want to do. And she, you know, talked to one of the coaches and the coach said, I'm not going to watch. None of my staff is going to watch any of the summer videos. We're not going to be watching any of it. Since we're not going on the road. We don't want you on the road. And she really took that to heart and felt like, you know what? That's the kind of people I want to play for. 
Yeah, they care. Yeah, I mean, they care about the kids that are coming in. They care about their their players. I love that. Coach, talk about Christ the King. Talk about why are you guys so competitively good every year? Um, and talk about your three top uh, strengths in your program so that the coaches out there can say, man, I, you know, maybe I need to do it a little bit like Christ the King. Talk about your program. I think you, you know, that's, that's hard. Um, I remember coming back from when I was a young, I was a very young coach coming back from UNLV practice, spending a weekend out in Vegas watching, you know, coach run practice. And I, I was like, wow, I want to run everything like them. You can't, <laughs> you've got to modify, you've got to do what's right for your program. Not everybody's going to have Tina Charles running drills. Um, you've got to work within your parameters. You can't run what St. John's runs or runs what run what Duke runs. You've got sure. to run what works for your high school. Um, I've been very lucky. I've had some great kids. I've had years we didn't have great, great players. We had good, strong players, and they worked really hard. I think hard work is one of the keys. It makes up for a lot of deficiencies. Um, we had put a big attention to detail, especially in the practices. Um, I am one who really wants my assistants involved in practice. I don't want them just standing there, yesing me to death, um, which, you know, hey, you're going to disagree. You know, we'll, we'll solve that in the office after. Sometimes it gets heated, but that's good. I yeah. think competition and competition is probably the biggest plus. I want to play above. I want to play well above my weight class. Um, to use a boxing term, I'd rather play up and maybe in a down year get get beat up once or twice but you know what it's going to help you when you get to your conference play so I try to make December you know this year was tough we opened up 0-7 and, and it was a tough year it was a tough start of the season but okay you know what we came back and we made a nice run and we lost a few we had a couple of injuries but I'd still, I still I still think that's the way to do it play up play as hard as play as schedule the best opponents you can get, go out, put them on the road, travel. I think it's great when you get a chance to go and see different places and play in different venues and different crowds. God, what a crowd. God only knows what a crowd's going to, what a crowd's going to be back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to play, you know, like uh, just to get a chance to play a Riverdale Baptist or, you know, play modern day or, go down to Paul the sixth and play in front of their, their crowd, or we would go into Philly every year and play, you know, two or three games in Philadelphia. And, you know, Planet Palestra was a gift. It was incredible. The referees were not kind. They knew that <laughs> they weren't. Being kind. And I, you know, but it was great for the kids to experience it. And it's not about winning. It's about getting better. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, and I, I had a coach on uh, from New Hope Academy. Um, I know him well. <laughs> yeah, uh, I try to speak to the best, man. I like to pick your guys' brains. And I love how you guys are all – and there's some great national programs. Coach, I, I, this is my 30th year coaching. It has not always been like this. I mean, girls' basketball is getting better on a national level. Oh, yeah, girls' basketball from – from even 10 years ago has developed and grown. I just, I'm my only concern. And the only thing that I throw up there once in a while is 
uh, we're growing kind of like the guys and it's definitely improved. And I think the opportunity for women is just so, so much greater than what it was 10, 15 years ago. I just, I worry about all the people that are now involved in it and, you know, not, I'm not talking about the AAU coaches, but I'm talking about the, the, the trainers, the handlers, the who's, who's, you know, the extra people that have tacked on. That's what I get a little concerned about. You know what? Parents have to be really cautious these days. And it's, it's a hard venue to, it's a hard thing to look at. They're looking at a brick wall and they're trying to figure a way to get to the other side so that their daughter can hopefully get to college and maybe play, maybe play college basketball, hopefully go for free. That's what they're all looking for. And we're all trying to help that. I hope um, it's never been about me or any of my staff. It's been about the program and trying to make it better for the kids so that when they walk into that college, they get over that wall, they get to college, they're prepared academically, they're prepared, they're prepared physically, and they're prepared emotionally. It's hard to get off a jet plane coming back from the West Coast. You get off the plane, you get on a bus, you go to school, you got to go to class. You're catching the red eye at 1030 out of Arizona, and you've got class at 8 o'clock the next morning in New York. Yeah, you're going to have to do that in college when you get in at 3, 4, 5 in the morning. You're going to have to get up for that 8 o'clock class. You don't get to sleep in because you had a game the night before and, you know, in Chapel Hill. You've got to get up and go, and that's, that's life. That's for anybody. Yeah, I love how you're preparing your kids for life and so forth on that. Um, Coach, and then my last question is this. Um, Give me, I, I, I love practices. I, I'm a big, I don't know why. I, I actually think I love practices more than games. And I, I know that sounds crazy. I love preparation. I love getting kids better. Talk about what you do in your practices. Because I know you like you believe in player development. What do you do in your practices that separate you guys? I think we do a lot of individual work um, prior to practice. We do a lot of stretching, a lot of individual Still work before we get started. Once we start, the first hour, first 45 minutes is generally all full court. Um, I'm not a big believer. My boys coach loves to just do sprints. And you know what? That works for him. I've never been a big believer in just running sprints for the sake of sprinting unless you're, you know, running track. Um, everything we do is full court drills, passing, catching, ball handling, and we try to incorporate it into that first half hour, 45 minutes. Um, we'll break down from there, usually defense, uh, next 20 minutes, half hour defense in the half court, and expand that into our half court sets and offense. But I, we spend probably very little time scrimmaging. Hmm. And that's much to, the dis, much to the dismay of many of our players, but – I'd rather spend an extra 20 minutes shooting and working on their skill, you know, drive to the basket, pull up jump shot, or, you know, come off the screen and, you know, read, read the screen, read the defense than I would to just say, okay, let's just open it up and play. Um, I don't think, I, I know they need to play. I don't want them to be robots, but I think they've got to be smarter. And those kids that really pay attention when you're teaching how to come off the screen, those are kids that are going to be either really good players if they've got the skill set, or as in our case, 
we've got some really great coaches. I've had, I think I've got seven or eight right now coaching at the collegiate level and probably about 10 or so coaching at the high school and club level. It's a great compliment to what they do, and I'm just so proud of them. Coach, I love that. Uh, kind of go into that a little bit more because um, it, are you trying to – I mean, so you're actually uh, letting them, them not play as much games is to keep them hungry so when they actually play, they're really excited about it. Um, or you're just trying to keep them sharp because a lot of times in scrimmaging, there's some, there's a lot of, there's a lot of slippage, right? So are you trying to prevent bad habits? Um, I look at it from the standpoint of we put so much emphasis on playing as a, as a country, as in America, we put so much emphasis on just playing that I think their skill sets are not as good as they should be. Mm -hmm. So if we can improve the skill set, um, you know, some of our best games have been, you know, in a late night practice and we've got practice two nights a week. We go six thirty to eight thirty. you know, two nights, the boys go late, two nights, we go late. Um, you know, it's a long day. It's a hard day. And to keep your focus after a long day of school and then study hall and then get into practice, I think you've got to try to keep them as focused on what your goals are and what you want run to just put the ball out and let them just run up and down, I think they do enough of that. I think we've really got to change the course. And it's about teaching. And, you know, in education, you're not going to – you can't just cut the class loose. Um, you know, the yeah. spring was a perfect example. You can't just cut them loose and say, all right, go ahead. It's about teaching. You've got to get out there. You've got to teach it. And I think we've done a really good job of that over the years. And, I'm, you know – I'm a firm believer, and I think we play too many games. Yeah, I told you. Yes. More practice, less games. I know it's not as much fun for the kids <laughs> or the parents, but I think it's better for our game. I wish the summers, you know, this might be the best thing for some of our players because they're not beating themselves up maybe through the whole summer. They're working out in their driveway or working out at a park. And you know what? Working on that left hand, and hopefully I've heard from most of my, my kids this summer, and, I got a video from one of my girls who's now, she lives overseas and she's, you know, showing me her left hand move, her dribble drive with her left hand and she couldn't go left last year. So I'm really proud. And I hope that, hope that's a sign of good things to come. Yeah. Obviously more skilled players on that. I, I call it weapons for my players. I call, I mean, we want to create more, more weapons. Um, I, I do agree coach. I, I think the skill development aspect is really neglecting a lot in our game. Um, so then I do think the pandemic has actually helped. You're right. Kids are actually going to uh, the playground and actually working on their own game. That, that's, that's old school stuff. I looked at what soccer did. I don't know about by you, but like boys soccer a number of years ago um, changed their model for the elite players. They went with a more European model, and that was three days a week of practice, real skill set work not as much scrimmage and they would play one game a week or one game every other week. And the emphasis was more on the development. And I, I'm not saying that's going to be the model for us, but you know what? It says something because when you look at elite European soccer, you look at your elite, you know, South American soccer, I mean, they're head and shoulders above what we do 
in American men's soccer. Our women's team obviously has got it, but the men's still trying to catch up. Um, maybe we put too much emphasis on playing and we should be really emphasizing more practice, more skill work, more development. Yeah, I love that, Coach. Uh, um, and I, I really want you to my, – my last segment here, because I, I have to go to my Zoom meeting. <laughs> Everything's Zoom now, Coach. <laughs> but, uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time out. Give us one last piece of advice about your team coming up this year. What, are, what is one goal you're expecting from your team, and uh, what can we look forward to your team this year? I think my team coming back this year is going to be very much more experienced. Um, last year, we wound up playing really with two varsity players and a bunch of JV kids uh, due to injuries. We lost a couple players and we were down. So, you know, yeah, it's a negative. It was a tough year. We didn't have a great season, first losing season in many, many years. But that's going to help us this year. And I think that's something we can build on really hoping that the kids come back and have an opportunity to play. Uh, we're trying to keep everybody positive in that regard. And we've got to just deal. You know, I heard from one of my players last night. And she's like, what are we going to do? When do we start workouts? I'm like, Whoa, relax. We'll find out. Hopefully today we're going to find out from our governor and you know what, just as long as you've got that will and you've got the desire, I think that's going to be a plus for us. Um, Looking forward to it. I don't know what the season's going to bring. Right now we're playing Paul the Sixth up in Springfield, Mass. And we're supposed to play out in the Staples Center in December. We'll see if that's going to happen. Um, you know, and hey, you got to deal with adversity. You got to just handle it. I think that was last year's thing. We had a lot of adversity, had to deal with it. This year is going to be one of those years. We're going to have to deal with a lot of different things and there, hopefully we get an opportunity to have a season. That's going to be a big thing this year. Oh, I totally agree, Coach. I, I think there's going to be a lot of stop and start. It's almost like, you know, jump, stop, sprint. It's like, it's like the game, right? Because we're going to have, you know, like, you know, teams um, getting COVID. They got to be out for 14 days. Then they're back on. I mean, there's a lot of things. I'm not sure if we really thought it through. Oh, I don't think we've thought it through. I think we reopened too soon. I think we tried to push it back. And reality being reality, I, I, you know, I have my doubts whether or not athletics will be on this year in the form that we're used to. I'm just, you know what, if it comes down to it, we can't play. I'm just hoping that we can get athletes in the gym and at least get them working on things with in-house. If we can't play a regular season schedule, fine but at least give the chance, kids a chance to get in. You know, if they're going to be doing English and math and they're going to do foreign language and social studies, you know what, let them get a chance to at least get into practice and stuff. But uh, right now it's going to be tough to do because it's going to be very hard. Our kids are traveling and, you know, you look at Major League Baseball and what they're going through now and football's right. going to have the same problem. We can't do the NBA or WNBA or what the soccer leagues did. We can't do a bubble just not something we can do at our levels, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard on our coaches. It's going to be hard on our administrators and it's going to be really hard on the kids and their families. Cause you've got some seniors now who maybe lost last season and they were looking forward to this year. And you know, especially the spring sports, it's going to be very tough. And I think we've all just got to be patient. It's, 
you know, we've been dealing with no power for the last couple of days up here in New York and trees down. And it's amazing when you see people going out and helping neighbors and, you know, cutting up wood with, with neighbors and doing all this stuff. And you still see it when people wait and forget we had gas lines and, you know, you see people trying to cut in and screaming at each other. It's like, it doesn't take much to kind of get people to be real upset. So I think we've got to be very patient coaches, especially are going to have to be very patient, very cognizant of what their kids have gone through and how they're dealing with it. Some deal with it really well. Others haven't lost people or their parents have lost people and they're dealing with a whole different subset of problems. So I think we've got to be really smart in how we reopen this and how we do it all together. Cause it could, it could have some very adverse effects if we don't do it well. Yeah, I think we're learning on the run here, right, Coach? And I, I appreciate – I think patience is a key word. Coach, I appreciate your patience and uh, your humility. I know you're going through a lot right now, and you, you took the time to share with me and share with our coaches. I just want to tell you, you're a true credit to our game. I really appreciate what you're doing for us. It's about making the game better, Kevin. And I, one thing I will remind all coaches, clean your floor. Get out there, do the little things, clean at the gym, clean the floor, take care of your custodians. It's the little things that make a huge difference. It's not about you sitting on a pedestal and, you know, don't be afraid to go out and do the work. Uh, great advice. Coach, how can somebody get a hold of you? Because I know coaches will want to contact you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Email is the best thing. Um, our website's up. It's actually being reconstructed this summer, but my email is r. Mackey, M-A-C-K-E-Y, at C-T-K-N-Y.org. Um, not hard to find me. If they Google, if they search me, they'll find me. I'm pretty accessible. It's not hard. Coach, thank you so much. And I want to find more information about your hoop group. That sounds really great. I uh, love coaches sharing the game. Bob, thank you so much. I wish you the best and good luck uh, with you on your cleanup and also your team this year. Hopefully we can get through this. God bless. Thank you so much. You bet, Kevin. You take care. Stay safe, okay? Stay right. well. Good luck Thanks, to your Coach. system there. All right. <laughs> Thank you. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. 
Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast. Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work.